How's it going, guys? Welcome to another another episode of Five Minute Major Radio. Dave here, along with my broadcast partner in crime, Jacob Hunter Harrison. And um, yes, as you can see, I am rocking some Lehigh Valley Phantoms gear this evening as the Phantoms won the longest game in American Hockey League history last night, defeating the Charlotte Checkers two to one. Now have a stranglehold of a three-one series lead, looking to advance to the American Hockey League's Eastern Conference Final. And Alex Lyon stopped 94 out of 95 shots in an impressive win. And we're going to do something a little different here. Something for all you new viewers here. We're adding some more tech into our show. And take a listen. Donald, bottom of the near circle in the Charlotte zone. Centered off Nadelkovich. He's still up to make the save. Here's another chance. They score! The Phantoms have won the longest game. In American Hockey League history, McDonald. That's at the uh, 13-minute 19-second uh, mark, too. So that essentially almost reached a time limit of two entire games. Yeah, it was it NHL. was pretty crazy. <clears throat> and, you know, Alex Lyon somehow nice stopping 94 and 95 wow. shots is only the second most saves in American Hockey League history, <laughs> which is ridiculous. So in, in, in the spirit of... My closing choice tonight, they say the AHL always finds a way. Clever Shout out to Jurassic Park. Can't wait for Jurassic World 2. Yes, indeed. But also, the, as you can see, the title of this uh, episode today is Flyers uh, Pass. You know, tonight we are going to be focusing on some of our favorite moments in Flyers history that were both positive and not so positive. Uh, before we get into that, though, just a quick update on the rest of the of the NHL playoffs. Tonight is Game 7. Who doesn't love those? Against the Nashville Predators and the um, Winnipeg Jets. The winner moves on to face the expansion Vegas Golden Knights, who were done doubting oh my God, in the guys. Western Conference Final. And then, finally, the dark years. The dark ages are over. The Pittsburgh Penguins are no longer defending Stanley Cup champions. Right. You have no idea how happy I am to say that. I'm sorry to your grandfather, Jacob. No, no it's okay, because, like, side note, I called my grandfather earlier today, and he, uh, he, he called, he told me, he's like, oh, by the way, tell tell David and you, I said, congratulations on the, the end of the Dark Ages. He's yes. like, I didn't realize we were in the Dark Ages. For, for the viewers who don't know, my, my grandfather, uh, Charles, he is a uh, native of western Pennsylvania, essentially, where Dave lives here in Willow Grove is the same distance from where his hometown is to Pittsburgh as it would be from here to Philadelphia. Yes, he is a Penguins fan, but don't don't fret. He is a smart, educated hockey man. He's not like the rest of those Western or Western PA people who don't know what they're talking about with hockey. That's call- a joke. That's a joke. Are you calling my grandfather a Yinzer? I'm calling your grandfather a very smart Western Pennsylvanian. Pennsylvanian-er. If that makes any sense. Washington is a nice town, dude. It you should, it's a very nice town. You should roll through one day. Maybe we will one day. But going forward, you know, props to Washington Capitals. They finally did something they had never done in the Alex Ovechkin era. They are now moving on to play a Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Final. Who knows what's going to happen? Washington, Washington could feed on this and go on and beat Tampa, or Tampa Bay could just do what they did to everyone For the in the first time in both of their careers, Ovechkin actually meets Crosby in the handshake line and to wins a, to advance and wins. So that's a that's a pretty historical point, Scott, for it sure. Never happened to OV in the NHL, and then never in the Olympics, and never in the World Championships. First Every time, time the they've met line. up, Crosby has been on the winning side. So good <clears> for <throat> OV. You know, it's it's good because yeah. 
to get off the schneid there as far as handshake lines. It's nice because, you know, D.C. isn't really, you know, us Philadelphia people, you know, we try to tend to really hate on our rivals. You know, I'm guilty of it well. But, like, D.C. has not been the best sports town for their sport. They've had a lot of bad luck, and we like to pick on them. But, you know, at least, you know, good. At the end of the day, we're all hockey fans and fans of the athlete and fans of the people. And, you know, finally good for a guy like Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom. I keep on naming players in the capital scene. Good for them to finally move on in the club. Because at the end of the day, if you make the NHL and you're a good hockey player, you ultimately want to win the Stanley it's, Cup. It's and it's a, something you can't hate. It's been a long time coming for both those guys. Yeah. For sure. And it's good to see them finally achieve that. You know, and who's to say, you know, the Penguins might be back in the mix next year. I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. Wouldn't you know? them at all. And, you know, you, you have that core on the team. You have the Crosbys and the Malkins and... You have Matt Murray and Nett, who on any given night is just lights out. <clears throat> so, I mean, it's good to see, you know, a team like the Capitals finally, you know, reap the benefits and rewards of playing well and playing good hockey. You know, unfortunately, I guess for the Penguins' sake, it didn't work out for them this year. They won't see a three three-peat. But you know, good on the good on the Capitals. You know, they make it to the conference the, final. The Capitals have not had the best of histories. You know, in their first year in the league, it took them until almost in the year to win their first road game, and they only won eight games in their first year in the league in 1974-75. So it's been a long time coming for this franchise, and it'd be nice to see maybe see if they can do something with it. But you know, it's good luck to the rest of the teams in the playoffs. Obviously, you know, it's going to be one hell of a game seven tonight in Nashville, Winnipeg. But now going forward. Let's get into the meat and potatoes section of our podcast tonight, and that is the Flyers, our top Flyers memories, both positive and negative. And um, we're going to continue with playing some audio from our favorite moments as we tried to do earlier in the podcast. We're going to listen back and hopefully see how that sounds coming backward, forwards again. But we're going to go with that, see if it's a new trend that we're going to keep on adding in here. So, Jake, if you want to kick it oh, off? All right. So, so, with me being a 94 birth year and Dave being a 91 birth year, uh, obviously... You know, our experiences that, you know, we can log in our memory as Flyers fans are a little more limited than maybe some others who have been able to watch the Flyers grow as an organization since the inception of the team. But, you know, there's a lot of standouts. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, really key good moments that, you know, you and I have both caught growing up watching this team. Um, off the top, I think we're a little mixed up with our list here, per se, but that doesn't matter. Off the top, I think I could speak for both Dave and I. Uh, a player that sticks out in our mind in Flyers history that probably influenced Dave and I to love the Flyers as much as we do. It. Do, I think, and or, do I think I know where you're going, where you're going with this? I think you probably do know. Or just just influence the love of the game that both Dave and I have for it. it is a player that goes by the name of Eric Lindros. He is, to, to me... And to Dave, he, that man is, he is God. <laughs> I'm just going to put it that way. Like, I literally look at Eric Lindros as God on an inch and a half thick steel. <laughs> like, yes. on the hockey skates. Like, he, he is the major influence behind everything, you know, that deals with me and in my involvement in ice hockey. Now... You know, Eric Lindros had a you know, his drafting selected by the quarterback Nordiques. That was a slightly chaotic and dramatic Sorry. scenario. Essentially, you know, through and through, 
he finds a home in Philadelphia, lucky, luckily for us. And I say, did quite well, did quite more than just make a career for himself. Um, this first couple of years, one, granted, I wasn't born, but also as, you know, I grew up as a child and a young kid watching hockey, having it on the television, I remember hearing the names, you know, Lindros sided by, or, you know, Mikhail Renberg and John LeClaire. Legion of Doom. The Doom Doom was, you know, what I wanted to be. You know, we go out there in the in the courtyard, we play street hockey, and, you know, you were out there with your buddies, and you sit there and argue about who was who. Okay, I'm going to be Lindros this time. Or, like, you know, okay, you're going to play LeClaire. We're, we're doing this. Like, set, set it up the way that they do, you know, because it's – it's very, <clears throat> it's very nostalgic to talk about. But um, sorry about that. Just get this itch on my knee. But um, it's a very, it's a very very positive, but also it could be a negative, you know, memory at times to have Eric Lindros as sort of an idol, as a hockey idol in general, not just as a flyer, but as an, as somebody idolized as a hockey player and. Somebody who I believe is, was, and still will be in the future an ambassador to the game. And deservingly so, we sat here and we bickered and, you know, scoffed for years and years and years. But he finally, finally has made his way into the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. I think much overdue, very much overdue. But within the last year, we've been able to see Lindros get his acknowledgement as a Hall of Fame player and get the honor of getting his jersey number retired by the Philadelphia Flyers, which Dave and I both had the honor of seeing live, which is a very surreal, very humbling moment that we both, uh, it was not not to be cheesy, but it was very much breathtaking. You know? It was an emotional moment. It was, I mean, I, there were literally tears rolling down my face during the ceremony. It's something I'll never forget. It's tough. It, it, it's tough to, to find a better comparison to that but um I, I mean i could go on and on and on i just you know i i don't have enough things to say about the guy i am you know as does dave but you know for all the good things we can say there has been some some not so good well no let me interject here also with Linda, you know i would not i wouldn't be playing ice hockey today or being so into hockey if it wasn't for that man Larry mm-hmm. Larry Dross is the reason why i live breathe and die by the sport of ice hockey. Yep. And I'll never forget the moments that I saw on the ice off the ice. I mean, I remember crying in 97 when we got swept by the Red Wings. I remember the big goals. I still have a hatred today of Scott Stevens, and I do not consider Scott Stevens to be one of the best defensemen of all time because, to me, Scott Stevens is a dirty SOB. To me, Scott Stevens was a player out there intentionally looking to hurt people. Yes, I get the game was different back then, but in today's standards, Scott Stevens would not be in the league anymore. That's where I'm going to end it because I could go on on that rant forever. And most no, of you who know me best no, know that. No, but I'm not going to end it because I'm going to pick it right back up there. Because... Well, no, I want to highlight something, though. Going, to, There's some memories that stick in my head about Eric Lindros. But one of them, in 1995, the Big E was up for the Hart Trophy Award alongside Yamir Yager at the time, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Dominic Hasek of the Buffalo Sabres. And when he won the Hart Trophy in 95. The Flyers were just starting to get good, get rolling, bringing in better players to go around them. The team was getting better, and things were going the right direction. And just go ahead and give it a listen. 
to his reception speeds. It's something to this day that gives me chills and gets me a little bit emotional. I, I could have been more than a year old at this time, but um, so I don't particularly remember watching this live, but I've seen the clip hundreds of hundreds of times. It, it is very much a a very emotional, very heartfelt thing to see and acknowledge the fans. You can see that the guy cared, and here we go. And the Hart Trophy goes to... This is one of the benefits of being older. You get to open the envelopes. Eric Lindros. Nervous now. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, or congratulate Yammer and, uh, and Dominic on terrific seasons. They've uh, they played great. Uh, second of all, I never thought I'd say this, but uh, or be snuggling up to the writers, but I guess tonight I, I'll do so in thanking them for their votes uh, for this award. Um, it's, a, it's a great honor to be here. I mean, this is the, uh, the elite of the elite uh, with the top executives of the NHL and others. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. But uh, just standing here, it takes an entire team to, uh, to work it. Uh, I'm proud that in Philadelphia, we've got the ownership uh, that's A-plus. Um, Mr. Snyder and your family, the Tobins, uh, I don't know where there could be a better ownership. Um, Bobby Clark, who, uh, who's working right now in Edmonton, working out Bobby, I'm getting ready for next year. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. His door is wide open. Uh, anytime you have problems, you can uh, step right in and, and discuss things. Uh, he's always there for you. Um, you know, you don't win without great coaching. And uh, Terry Murray, uh, Tom Webster, Keith Acton have uh, supplied me with, uh, with great coaching all year. Uh, and teammates, you have to have great people to play with to uh, to be able to uh, to succeed, I'd also like to thank my family who uh, who supported me throughout everything, uh, the up times, the bad times. Uh, they're there for me, and uh, I love them. And thank you very much. Um, my close friends, uh, and in closing, I just like to say. Uh, Thank you to the fans of Philadelphia who supported us when we weren't so good. <laughs> we're getting better, and we're going to do it. Thank you. I mean, just now, you know, a little teary-eyed. It's, um, it gets me. It really gets me. And that's my hockey hero. So. I don't think, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just biased. But I don't think you'll ever find another player who cared, or another person who put, like, really truly wore his heart on the sleeve of his jersey in every aspect of the way he played the game. You know, it's he did everything. You know, he in all categories. There's no. I don't think there's anywhere where maybe like. Lindros truly lacked, you know, and I is as a leader, 
in the locker room and on the ice and the team, you know, in just not even, not even in his play as, as like I said before, an ambassador of the game in Philadelphia and abroad, you know, it's, it was just the fact that he couldn't stay healthy. And at the time concussions weren't as big of an issue as they are today. And there was mismanagement all around by the flyers, by Lindros, who was represented by his parents, his dad being his agent along with his brother there was mismanagement all around, and it led into the trading of one of the best athletes this city has ever seen. And it's just something that you, going back and you wish, you know, if things hadn't gone down that path, the Flyers would probably have another Stanley Cup. They were supposed to have one in 97, and then after that, that's when the injuries started happening and the bad blood started spoiling. So it's, you know, just something where, just, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You go back and look at it, things can be handled with it. Differently, but I'm glad the Flyers spent their relationship with Big E starting even back in 20 in 2012 when Paul Holgram invited him to be part of the alumni game against the Rangers in the Winter Classic that year. That was the start of the many defenses. And another scene, you know, not the audio for this, but when he got introduced to the Philadelphia crowd in the 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 ballpark when Sisson Park went absolutely nutty. It was the ultimate feeling of like coming home. You know, it, it, like like Dave had hashed out earlier, or he reiterated, or I'm going to reiterate, you know, this is, it, it had a little bit of a turbulent end, his career here in Philadelphia, per se, and it didn't necessarily, it didn't pan out the way you'd want it to, and to talk about hindsight again, but you know, it, it is what it is, but like, especially in that alumni presence, you know, and at the Citizens Bank Park when, you know, Philadelphia hits the Winter Classic in 2012. No, just just the introduction speaks for itself. And even to watch that game and see him on the ice surface playing with his old his old teammates. Unfortunately, Renberg was contractually obligated to call a game in Sweden, so he wasn't able to make it. So it was just him and Lindros. The whole Legion of Doom could not play in the game. He set up Lindros, though, for but, a goal. But, you know, being able to sit there and, you know, years later, years removed from the fact to be able to watch my absolute, like, my hero, the guy I like, I absolutely adore. Do what he does best with, you know, who he did it best with. It, it, it's 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 the greatest feeling of coming full circle. You know what I mean? I I just I don't know how else to say it. It was truly a humbling thing. And grant, you know, this is an alumni game, and you know, you have a different range of you know ages and players from different eras there, and it is just for fun. But you know, it's. It was awesome. They're still playing the Rangers a lot too. A team very well he could have played for if the Flyers hadn't been in the defenses, mm-hmm. which would have been, I don't even want to go down that path. But then also going going forward a couple of years later, him and John LeClaire went into the Flyers Hall of Fame together. I think it was two years later in 2014. Yes. And of course, this past winter against the Actually, I, think, Leafs. I think we might have been in that game, too. I don't think. No. The Hall of, you and Lindros and then I think you and your dad were there. I wasn't there. Ah. Uh, but and then of course the game we're at this past winter when he got his number eight sent to the Raptors at the Wells Fargo Center. So, um, but yeah, that alumni game that was something. I think I think that for me personally, that might have been up there. Maybe even better to see than watching good old Bernie stack the pads on Ron Dugan. Yeah, it was a good. And that opening too, five yeah. minutes. How about that? That yeah. was pretty cool. Way to way to show him, good old Bernie Perron. But. That's just that's just the player he was, and to kind of hash on something that David already sp- spoke about earlier, 
talking about players like Scott Stevens. Um, when the way I look at it, I think you have to you have to factor in the environment and the game at that point in time. And for as much flack as you'd like to give Scott Stevens for his actions on the ice and how it ultimately played out for players like Lindros and Paul Correa, maybe if you wanted to throw that in there, those guys, well, Lindros especially, maybe not Correa, but Lindros, they gave it back. That's like, true. Tenfold. They gave it back. Like those guys, you were talking about an era of hockey that was just kind of reckless and it was careless to a certain but also, extent. By definition, by today. rebuttal, when you say the name Eric Lindros and Paul Correa, you don't remember it by them ruining players' careers. When you hear Scott Stevens, you think, oh, the guy who started Eric Lindros' decline and Paul Correa's um, decline. I don't know. If you ask me. Personally, personally, I that, disagree because I do think that it's sort of an opinionated statement. Because I've talked to a lot of people. We are an opinionated podcast. I've talked to a lot of people about Scott Stevens, and he is very much highly revered as one of the best defensemen to do it. As one of the best physical, blue line, like, you know, like dominant defensemen to ever just, like a shutdown guy. To to quote Sidney Crosby, I don't like him. I mean, I don't like any of them. But I, I think, go back to the I series think now, unfortunately, things, but you know, it's that's Jake. That's something we could go on and on and about for these. We have other things we have to hit those episodes tonight. Unfortunately, we don't need to have this argument here. But opinions don't weigh more than fact, and there's a reason why Stevens has a similar place in the hall, just next to Ledros. You got to give credit where credit's due. I really don't want to, though. But I digress. I'm throwing in the, white, Stevens, I'm throwing in the white flag here, guys. Scott Stevens, okay. if you want to come across the center ice and drive your elbow as hard as you can into my jawline, give me as much money as they gave Lindros to do it, and you're more than welcome. All right. Uh, moving forward. Um, he's going to keep thinking, I guess, about going, uh, back, yes. going back in time. You know, we can talk about... I am um, holding the paper. Yes. Anyway, I should navigate. Jake, navigate so, away, my son. With with that, and the, the, that that player, Eric Indrick Lindros, is a, it's a very it it brings up a lot of memories for guys like Dave and I. But you know, there's a lot of other stuff you know throughout life's history that we've been able to to see and observe. Um, you know, even. Even Lindros sort of touched on it himself, you know, in his speech that we just recently listened to when he accepted his first Hart Memorial Trophy in uh, 95. You know, a lot of support comes from, you know, the chairman, you know, uh, the gentleman that went by the name of Edward Malcolm Schneider. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. You know, this this is a man who vouched for the city of Philadelphia as a hockey town. To have a hockey team. As a sports town and a team that deserved a hockey team in that expansion era. And we came very close to, to not getting it. I almost lost the bid to, I believe, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think, like, you know, there, that plays a big role into, you know, not only just the inception of the Flyers, but just hockey itself. You know, through that, you've gotten the Philadelphia Flyers. You've gotten... You know, organizations like the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation, founded and chaired by himself, that have done tremendous and great work for kids all over the area, like in, in you know, within 
Philadelphia Bucks, Montgomery County, Delaware County, parts of Jersey, parts of Jersey, parts know, of even Delaware. for for you know kids, you know lower income come from lower income families who can't necessarily afford to get their kids the ice time with the gear to do it. It gives it gives an opportunity for all kids, you know, of all different races, religions, creeds, what, what have you, just across the board to come out and be like, look, play hockey. You know, this is, you know, come hang, hang out with us, like learn something, you know, you know, learn to love what we love. You know, it's, it's, it's been a tremendously unifying thing. And I think it's a, a wonderful foundation that they have going in his, now in his, his name and his honor. Also, I think, you know, I've talked about this with many different friends of mine who are Flyers fans, even non-Flyers fans. I mean, I think Dave would agree. Ed Snyder is probably and will probably be one of the last owners in professional hockey or sports who truly, like, night in and night out, like, would sit down and watch his team play. Like, like actually, like, gave an ounce of, he gave a damn. <laughs> like, he cared. Like, he honest. like, it was his, tr- it was truly his team. The players loved and respected him. Like, this man was revered. Like, players loved and respected the coaching staff, the organization, everybody who worked under or with or around Ed Snyder. I has never, at least from what my understanding is and everything I've heard about him, has never had anything ill to say about him. No. You know, he's it was a tremendous person to be around. And it was very it was very unfortunate and it was very very, you know, sorrowing to have to, you know, hear about the news of his passing, I believe, about two years ago, just before the Flyers, you know, were preparing right to right before a playoff push. play the playoffs, you know, yeah. against Washington, I believe, in the first round. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately the Flyers, you know, couldn't see outside of the first round that year, but you know it's they made it in, they made it an interesting series. They made it a good series, and I think you know a touching tribute was made to the to the owner and founder of this team. His name for hangs sure. in the Wallace Fargo Center on a banner for a reason, mm-hmm. and you know I'm, I agree with everything that Jake said about Mr. Snyder, and that's what you know when you hear when you hear your ex players or even GMs or anyone always Mr. Snyder. And if I have one one of my regrets in life is not meeting the man and just saying a simple thank you. Because, again, we can go on and say all these great things about how Eric Lindros is the reason why we play hockey. There's even a bigger reason for the man that we wouldn't even have a team in this city if it wasn't for Ed Snyder. I mean, think of, it, think of a professional sports organization that where the owner of the team interacted as much as he did with the players, like I it was, can't, I can't it was, think of it one. was televised. Like you couldn't miss it. Like his his unwavering support and involvement in his own. Like I mean, and that's not well, besides, even besides the thing with hockey. He launched the Prism Network, which then started, which became Comcast Sportsnet Philadelphia, which is now NBC Sports Philadelphia, which then launched the whole big NBC Sports realm. You can all of this thank to Ed Snyder, and it's something you wouldn't. You wouldn't have all these outlets for hockey and all these programs without the things that Ed Snyder started. And he made a – there's now – there's NBC Sports stations in almost every major city. You know, there's the SNY Network up in New York. You have the NBC Sports Philadelphia, Chicago, Bay Area out in California. 
in D.C. And it's all over the country, and that's because of one man. And, you know, you look at... You look at the impact of what things like Mr. Snyder has had on this team, even like players like Lindros and everybody who's ever worn a flyer sweater over the years. And you look at what it's done for hockey in this area in the growth of the game. Just like look at, you know, the, you have like the high school teams. We both play for our local high school. And, you know, granted, we may not have gotten the support per se from our school as maybe other schools did, but like it was a well-ran, a well-founded program. Look at all the club teams through all the different, all the different rinks that we have. It didn't necessarily exist probably 50, 60 years ago. You know, like, look at, like we talked about the Ed Center Youth Hockey Foundation. We talked like, talk about like Team Comcast. We yep. talk about, you know, other teams like, you know, the club teams like the Glaciers and the Wildcats. Royals. The Royals, all these all these local, you know, in-house and travel club teams that these kids grew up playing with that I played with in high school, grew up playing on. Um, I mean, if you need the ultimate example, look at what it's done for players in the area. Like, first and foremost, you know, like Johnny Goudreau, who grew up in South Jersey. Yep. You know. T.J. Brennan, also South T. Jersey. T.J. Brennan. Playing with the fans South, right now. South Jersey products, you know, grew up watching the Flyers, like loving the game and loving this you're, town. You're kidding a big one. You're from Cherry Hill native Bobby Bobby Ryan. Ryan. Jerry Hill made it, like, like I said, Bobby Ryan. I was going to throw in Eric Tangrady. Eric, you know? a, a guy that I can say I actually got to know working at good old Winter Square Ice Sports mm-hmm. Arena. It, it, when he was at Penguins, he got drafted by the Ducks. Eric Tangrady did. Got traded to the Penguins, was a huge star in the Wilkes-Barre Strand Penguins, their fans. And every summer he came back to Winter Square and practiced and worked on his ice time during, mm-hmm. like, sticking pucks for public hockey. And I remember people giving him, people giving him, crap for wearing his penguins gear but that's who he was playing for and he's the one winter sport royal that you can say that you either met or saw and that made it to the nhl so that's the pretty but cool the, thing the ultimate thing is to think of all the possibilities that were made you know think about that possibility without without the flyers without ed schneider without his contributions it's just the city of Philadelphia. We could just throw it out there. You know what I mean? This isn't just like, you know, for people who like hockey and, you know, grew a fan base. It's like for everything he gave forth for this, the city of Philadelphia itself, it's, it's major. It's huge. Like, and, you know, he's, you know, painfully missed. You know, I, I agree with you. I couldn't agree with Dave Moore. You know, I, the one thing I probably do regret is not being able to just meet the man, you know, even just like get the opportunity to shake his hand and be like, you know what, thank you for your contributions and thank you for, you know, giving me something to be passionate about. Thank you for allowing me to love something, you know, and it's, um, I, I hope, you know, may he rest in peace, you know, and, you know, to the family of Ed Schneider and, you know, those who were close to him. You know, you at your father, brother, cousin, grandfather, grandfather was a yeah. was a great man. Mm-hmm. Um, to to segue into another topic, it, especially off of Ed Schneider, is you know the infamous spectrum spectrum, which is the the arena that once you know the Ed Schneider was able to complete you know, an expansion bid and grab a hockey team, essentially, an NHL franchise for the city of Philadelphia. They had an arena built that went by the spectrum. 
And for years and years and years, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers played and had made their home the whatever you call it. They said sometimes it was just a spectrum, you know, in the era of bank advertisements, they had the first union spectrum. They had, you know, the Wachovia spectrum up until it's, um, well, it's Fargo <clears throat> spectrum, its initial or demise and demolition of the building. Um, the Phantoms played there for a long time, the Philadelphia Phantoms and something. I think, I think a big thing to take away from the spectrum, it's just like you said, what you were getting to say. Um, other than just hockey and the Sixers presence inside the building as well, like just the amount of what happens in that building, like the thing, like the like the concerts, you know, the bands like the Rolling Stones, the Pearl Gra- Jam, the Grateful Dead, you know what I mean? Play there how many times? Pearl like, Jam, Bruce Springsteen, the Bruce Springsteen, James Brown, right? I think yeah, James James Brown I think played at the Spectrum. You know, this, these are all not not to get too far sidetracked off of. Uh, Hockey, we are big music people as well. But, you know, this, it was, I believe they called it like America's Showplace. I think you can put the Spectrum up there with MSG I, as I, one of the best stadiums to ever exist. On unfortunately, you know, we don't have, you know, this building preserved and it's, you know, no longer existent. And I'm, it's now a big bar. A little, a little perturbed about that. But, you know, I mean, I, I truly think that they could have preserved and made the spectrum into something great. That's what, you know, something for Philadelphia sports fans as a whole to just be able to marvel and attend. But unfortunately, big big business, you know, caught at the helm and we now have Xfinity Live. I mean, they they kept some of the big things from the spectrum, like all the statues, preserving moments outside the arena were kept. I remember just walking, I watched many... Uh, Philadelphia Phantoms games. I'm never going to see the Flyers play in the Spectrum. Right. But I went to many Phantoms. You could walk up and buy a Phantoms, even when they were good, and just walk in and sit in the Spectrum. It was a smaller building. It was an old-style building, so it was loud. The sound traveled. I even got an honor to skate on the Spectrum ice before, and that in itself was something that, you know, there are omitted mm-hmm. people who can say they did that. I didn't even get to do that. It was just a very humbling building, and the moments that, you know, the Flyers won their – Two championships there. The Sixers won a string of championships there. You had the great players of the NHL to play in there. It was just it's something that, you know, you wish me they could have done something more to keep it around. But again, like you said, big business definitely played a hand. I, um... You know, all things... Yeah. Eventually, no, we love the Wells Fargo Center now for what oh, it is. for sure. But eventually, that's going to have... it's. They're doing renovations to that building. Now, but that building is coming on 20... 25, almost from that 96. Coming, was yeah, the it's opening. approaching up to those years, el- year. its elder years. They're going to renovate the building. So eventually, we'll be talking about the Wallace Fargo Center the way we're talking about the Spectrum now, one day. So, I, uh, I mean, unfortunately, like Dave, I never got the opportunity to watch the Flyers play in the in the, uh, the Spectrum. Um, but I, I have seen, you know, an exuberant amount of Phantoms games played there. That was um, a very you know, fun night out. It was something I very much looked forward to as a kid, being able to watch the fans of the Spectrum. Uh, Monster Jam, anyone? Monster to, Jam. To, all you, to all you truck fans out there, Grave Digger. That's my, that is, okay, all right. Monster Jam, okay, if you don't like Monster Jam, I don't, I don't mess with you. Oh like, that was, that was awesome. I love Maybe it's just because I'm a little I'm redneck. I don't know. I love monster trucks, dude. 
like it was awesome and like that like the spectrum was always the place you know to go and see some some rowdy you know family wholesome monster truck he had the, he was fun he had the wings back the wings the wings back in the lacrosse league you know just a lot of good memories philadelphia kicks yes going off memories of the building uh going in line with this you know in the influence of um Besides, like, it's, this all kind of ties in with Ed Snyder and the Spectrum is the Flyers themselves being the Broad Street Boys and the influence they had on this area. You know, we wouldn't have a tough – it was a type of brand of hockey that got this team on the map and got them to start winning. And you know, definitely got an era of players that watched the team that came into the league and definitely influenced the style of heavy hockey that we had in the late 90s and early 2000s. You know, for, for guys like Dave and I, you know, when we weren't – Unfortunately, we weren't around to see this. Like we, we sort of um, missed the era of the bullies per se. But you know, By a couple years, give or take. A couple years, right? But uh, with that being said, you know they definitely, as did you know Ed Snyder, as did Lindros, as did every you know influencing factor in this organization, made their mark on you know, Philadelphia hockey history and, you know, Philadelphia sports history. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very good. It's good. It's great. It's great to see the involvement that these guys have, like to this day. And you they, walk in the most for center and who greets you at the door? It's the uh, hound, Bob Kelly. Bob Kelly, of all people. Bernie Perrant. Yeah. I mean, flirting with the girls as they walk in. <laughs> He's still got it going on. Bernie Perron still doesn't shy away from uh, the, the hammer. The Dave Schultz, you know, you walk in, these guys who are part of this team yeah, I mean, still I love and care about still call this city home. I can't tell you, like me and Kelsey that one time. We went to we were at the Flyers game, we walked into to the Reebok store. Who's there? Bob Kelly and Bernie Perron. Just sitting there, just just no promotion, nothing going on. Just chilling, just chilling, signing autographs. Literally, like we we went up, you know, Mr. Mr. I think I called him Mr. Hound, literally. I, Mr. Mr. Hound, I mean Mr. Mr. Kelly, and you know, surprise. And can we get, can we get, you know, a signature before I could finish? Oh, sure, a picture. You know, you got, where'd your phones at? Like, they, they wanted to take the picture. We, I would have been good with just the same, you know. But we, we got the side shirt signed. You know, we got a picture with them. You know, they were, they were all about it. They just, it just shows. They truly love it. You know? And they also wanted to gauge the fans. I remember, if I recall, you were wearing your Up and Ice Hockey Windbreaker that day. I was. And I'm pretty sure the Hound commented on, it's like, oh, you're a hockey player. Yeah. He uh, he asked me a little bit about it, and I was like, I, t- I, I uh, talked about our season a little bit, our team. I told him what position I play. He's like, ah. He's like, well, I don't know. He's like, remember what I taught you, or maybe what I may not have taught you. He's like, look me up. You know, <laughs> and he's – and he said, "Have a good season. Good luck." I mean, even if it's just small talk like that, it's it, it feels good to know that you know these their involvement. It's it's not doesn't go for nothing. It's not in vain. You know and, they yeah. And to touch on too, like also like they just sometimes they wouldn't forget people. I remember at one point when my uncle had season tickets. Me and my cousin Kelsey would go to games a lot. And there was at one point we went to so many games in a certain year. I remember we walked into a season ticket holder event. Me and my cousin and Bernie Perrant remembered our names it's like hey dave hey kelsey how's it going and that that was like a whole like a, a holy crap moment like bernie Perron bernie knows, knows who, who or knew at this point who i was yeah. that was like wow like wow deer in the headlights wow or to be almost like, wow wow 
Cam. Wow. Cam. Wow. Uh, but you know, it's we'll, just it's we'll, just a struggle. We'll the, the fact that you know you have these athletes who come to Philly and they stay here and they love it so much and it's really great. Um, we also portray now like captains over the years that we had on this team. Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark. Um, go you know, going forward, a couple of modern Eric Lindros, obviously Eric Desjardins, Keith Primo. Uh, Mike Richards, Chris Pronger, Peter now Claude Forsberg Giroux. Wore Peter Forsberg wore the C for his a brief tenure here in Philadelphia. Um, G- G- Jason Smith wore it for one year, 2007-2008. Yeah, if I remember correctly. He wore it for one year, the next year Mike Richards got named captain right. in 2009. But yeah, there's been many captains. Mark Howell wore the C? No, Mark Howell no, only wore an A. He wore an A, that's um, other big captains. Mark Howe, son of Gordy Howe. Yes, another RIP. Mark Howe. Mark Howe, of course, has his uh, number two race to the Raptors in Philadelphia. But, you know, there's a lot of good players who you remember. And a lot of the guys, they always made a mark, whether it was positive or negative. Mostly were positive. You know, you have the tail end of Richie's career where he got, got traded to L.A. and he won his Cups with the Kings. And then, of course, you have Pronger, who Pronger. where I was at the game where he took the Aaron stick from Mikhail Kravovsky in his eye. It is in follow through on his stick. I remember watching it happen. I remember how quiet the Wells Fargo Center got. And I still to this day, it haunts me, the sound of Chris Pronger screaming as he's covering his eye and you're seeing blood drip from his hand onto the ice. It's a memory that I will never forget in my entire life. It was very surreal, and it was scary for him. It ended his career. He tried to come back and play here and there again, and then mm-hmm. that led to him having to retire, and I worked for the league, and that led to the Claude Drew era of him being our current captain. Yeah, I, I wasn't at that game particularly, but I know for a fact that my brother and my father were there. Um, and they, they even said to themselves, like, you could, you could hear a pin drop when that happened. You know, I just... Uh, it's it's tough. Like you, you can even on the broadcast. I watched it later. You you could hear, you know, everything you saw and you heard everything that went down. You know, it, it it's just a tough, a tough situation. A very very freak, unfortunate thing that even more unfortunate, you know, took a toll on Chris Pronger and ended his career. Um, but unfortunately, you know, in the game of hockey, you take risks. And there is a liability involved. Um, yeah, and I, I, I believe Chris Pronger is doing well now. Yes, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what his involvement with the Flyers is, if there is any anymore. But like, I know he's an employee of the league. Um, but I wish him well, and I wish him you know, the best of luck and good health in the future. And you have Mike Richards, of course. Is he's I think he's retired from hockey now. He's living up in Canada, and I believe he's married now. It's a couple dogs. You know, good for him. Guys, God is. I mean, the dude won at every level. Won juniors with um, with the Kitchener Rangers. Won I, with Team Canada. I won have, the Gold Cup with the Phantoms. Uh, won two cups with the Kings. I have a prediction. Won a gold medal with the Olympics. What's your prediction, Jay? I have a prediction. I would be I would be confident in predicting that maybe not ne- next year, but like within the next five years or so, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mike Richards get involved organizationally or maybe behind a bench for like a WHL team. I probably an OHL team because he's he's a he's a Ontario boy. Yeah but he Good played, Ontario he played boy. in the Western Hockey League, didn't he? No, he played in the OHL for the Kitchen Rangers. I just said Oh. Yeah. He was a kid she's I thought he played I thought he played for Cologne. 
Now, nope. Kitchener Rangers. I mean, Mike Richards. That's right. Now that you say that, yeah, you're right. But like, there's something with Kalina. I mean, he could take a while. Most guys after their hockey year is over, they just you know want to relax and chill for a while. So who knows what'll happen? Um, but you know. So now we're going to segue into another favorite, one of my favorite players of all the time. There's some positive and eventually a negative with this guy, but Simone Gagne. Um, probably my second favorite flyer of all time. And there's two really, really, really big goals. I always remember one was 2004 and the other was in 2010. And the first one was forcing game six in the Eastern Conference. was actually forcing game seven in the Eastern Conference final with an overtime winning goal in game six against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Johnson the flip, trying to get it into the corner, went off Kubina's stick. Jeremy Ronick and Kubina collide. Ronick still with it. Gets it away to Gagne. Gagne for Ronick, lets it go. Primo, Primo draws it, side of the net. Ronick shot. Right after the Eagles won the Super Bowl and lost the Patriots, so the team was the city was in kind of a mood about that. The Flyers on one of their runs, or eventually they lost in Game Seven. But it's something that you just remembered and stuck with you. And it's, hearing good old Gary Thorne make that ESPN call, John A, there will be a Game Seven. Just something that could have been, but wasn't. And of course, in the other goal, we're going back a couple of years now, or eight years ago, around this time actually, the year was um. Game four against the Boston Bruins, the Flyers were down 3 nothing. I actually the- think that the eight-year anniversary of this was yesterday. Or yesterday or the day before. May 7th, 2010. Or maybe Probably around the there a couple days ago, but, you know, the Flyers. Right. Yeah. Flyers yeah. Within the last three days, this has been the eight-year anniversary, which is the reason why I comment on that. It's just eight years has been that long. I it's crazy. The Flyers were down 3-0 in this series. If Boston scores this goal, they sweep the Flyers and move on. But this was the start of the reverse what the Flyers needed to do. And take a listen. He said he wanted to go through tonight without any painkillers. We don't know any different. He's been a factor. On the lead now. Here comes Richards. Mike Richards spins it. They've got Carter I remember watching it. I was at work at the good old snack bar of Winter Sport Ice Sports Arena on a Friday night. Yeah. And I remember literally going berserk and probably flipping a tray of pretzels or something in the air. We had Discord. To, you had the entire because there was a monitor in every room in the restaurant. And they had it on. You had the entire restaurant, plus even the people in the kitchen. You know, they were like even they they would pop their heads out and they would watch. You know, and it was just like you could hear just like. This exhale of like this eruption of people, like you know, you had the dining room we were in, and you were like, ah, you know, like people like, like banging on tables, Absolute you know what I mean? Bedlam. And you heard the other like people were coming in from the other dining rooms of the restaurant, like high fives and stuff like that. It's that, and just you know, <laughs> you know, looking at these old videos and just just seeing the well so 
packed with people, like that flood of orange. It's, that's the chills right there. It's just ugh. something that you're missing. Hopefully the Flyers can bring back to the city. You know, Gagne, you know, one of the best Flyers of all time. I have a feeling I would want, I personally would like to see his number 12 retired by the team. I think he did enough to do it in this city. And, you know, unfortunately oh. that, that next, after that playoff run, I don't know what Paul Horan was thinking, but he traded him for a pile of trash and Matt Walker to the Tampa Bay Lightning. We, uh, and that was kind of the downfall of Gagne's career. He went off and played for – injuries started to rack up a lot more for Gagne after that. We touched on this last week. We did. And I think when we started to touch on this is when I mentioned that we should do an episode like this. I, here we are. But, um, like, as we mentioned last week, um, following that playoff run, you know, unfortunately – the solution to solidify a contending team to repeat next year and win was to trade Simone Gagne to Tampa Bay to receive Matt Walker. A defenseman. It made no sense. It still doesn't make sense. I know, I know there are Flyers fans who hated Gagne. Again, I don't I don't get their attitude. I don't get them. Why? I don't get them. Um, I don't get them at all. In the trade, I remember being – very upset when it got announced. It was in the middle of summer. Like it wasn't even like a around the draft or a free agency day thing. It was out of nowhere, out of the blue. They traded him. Then he went to Tampa Bay. That's what Comcast Sportsnet had those auto text updates. Remember back yep. in the day, and got I got one on. I remember the phone. we got one on the phone. Simone Gagne has been traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Matt Walker and what was. It? Yeah, it was like Matt Walker, like a third round pick or something. In a pick, and I'm just thinking, I remember literally out loud, like I was like cutting the grass or something like that, thinking, who is Matt Walker? Like, I didn't even know who he was. Like, like, and like, like, uh, (laughs) that sounds funny, but like, you know, like, (laughs) I knew, you know, I knew the league. Like, I, like, I know, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know who's who. I was like, literally like wincing at my phone. Like, who is, who is this guy? Like. And of course, you know, you go, you look him up, and it's just, you know, you proceed to projectile vomit after that. Yes. You know, but Matt they, Walker, are we a player worse than Andrew McDonald and Brandon Manning? Impossible. So it's impossible that. that Matt Walker could be done with that. But it was just, it was, you know, unfortunate. You know, and then he went on after Tampa Bay, went to the LA Kings, got his name on the Lord Stanley Cup. Tried to make a comeback after that. Played a couple years. But they played one more year. For the, the next year, got traded back to the Flyers. And I was actually at his game, in his return game, in back in the city where he scored a goal. And it was surreal and crazy. And I went berserk, obviously. And then the Flyers of the year, um, shortened the Flyers to make the playoffs that year. And then he tried to come back and play for the Boston Bruins and injuries derailed his career more even there, and then his father passed away, and that was pretty much the end of his career where he eventually announced his retirement. And now he comes back here and there, just things evolved, and I'm pretty sure he's living up in you know, up in Quebec with his wife and children, living on his life, and I hope he comes back one day and makes Philadelphia more of a part of his home in his life. So, uh, You know, like, like, like I commented about Richards, whether it's the WHL, doesn't matter. I can see, um, you know, I can see maybe Gagne getting – a position or maybe involving himself in hockey again, whether it's, you know, with the Flyers or, you know, somewhere, you know, in the junior leagues or I, I can, I can see him return to a hockey oriented position. 
Yeah, and, sure. like like my franchise. And then once you know the Flyers have this mantra, pretty much like once you're a Flyer, you're always a Philadelphia Flyer, mm-hmm. and they very much take care of their own. They, they so I'm sure if that. if you like if you're an ex Flyer and you call the Flyers, say hey, you have anything open? They find a job for you. Like eventually, I know um, the Flyers are moving the the Reading the Reading Royals will no longer be the Flyers ECHL affiliate anymore because I don't think they're just doing well in Reading. The team's actually moving up to Portland, Maine, I'm pretty sure. And Danny Briere is actually going to be the one running. He's going to be the GM of the Flyers' ECHL team. Is that happening after this season? I think it's after happening this season or next season. It's happening after next season, which we're running game. Strictly for the fact that I hear they give away free stuff like it's their job. Because it's the ECHL. Like, Who wants to go watch an ECHL game? You... I think they borderline pay you to come to the game. That sounds like an ECHL game to me. Why don't we go? Maybe we can. You'd have a five-minute major night out at the ECHL. Probably watch. It's like the one of the leagues where you go and you see, oh, yes, the league where the lockout didn't really, it, lockout rules take effect. No disrespect to the ECHL. No, no, no. It's, so, it's I, still professional. I don't know the tangent that Dave seems to be going off on. I have yeah, most respect for I guess, players in chance, the ECHL. You know. You can go somewhere. I mean, not NHL. everybody makes it to the NHL. Oh, very true. Come on. You can have players like Marcel Nobles who get sent to the ECHL and say... Marcel Nobles doesn't even play in North America. He, he said, screw this, I'm back over to Germany. <laughs> Plays over in the, DH, in the DEL now, so good for him. But then also, with Kovac on a moment, on old flyers, another positive moment we have, and kind of a guy who, if you meet now, may not be the nicest person because he works and lives in the area still. Over at Revolution Ice Gardens, he runs the Revolution, uh, the Revolution program over there at Warwick. And, Alleged, uh, not a nice guy. I, I met the guy and worked with the guy for a little bit in the summer. Not not a great human being, but was one hell of a hockey player. And the next captain, that's Keith Primo. And if you think of Keith Primo, you think of a couple of moments. One's his hat trick against Toronto Police in the playoffs, but then his other was ending a five overtime game in 2000 against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I remember now, I, I was a young lad, I should say, back then. I wasn't even allowed to stay up and watch the entire game because it was way past my bedtime. And now looking back, you're like, wow. And you can hear a young Jim Jackson make that call and just the elation. And again, it's funny for about 502 now, 5.02 with the fans last night, but it's just, it's crazy. It's a moment that you'll never forget in Fox history, also because it happened against Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, like Dave said, I was extraordinarily young. It was 2000, so I had to have been at maybe six years old. I think so, in 2000, I was 10. I was in third grade? Third or fourth grade when that goal happened. So we're going way back. Yeah. So, I mean, it was very, very young. I remember watching maybe portions of the game at the beginning and then having to go to bed, of course, and my dad would stay up and watch. I remember him telling me after the fact about what happened and just, you know, being excited the next morning for school, buzzing. Like, that was like being excited, like, ooh, you know, beat the Penguins, you know, you know, Keith Primo. Let's. It makes me think, do you remember. This is going back a long, long time. Do you remember when McDonald's was giving out? I'm not sure if it was in the Happy Meals or they were just like giving out like, 
like these collectibles where they'd be like they were like miniature bobbleheads that were magnetic and you could put them to the fridge and they were giving them all out like for like the entire team like miniature bobbleheads of like the entire team at like around like that time i think it was like 2000 2001 and like i had essentially i think i had gotten a couple go just going to like McDonald's or what with my mom or whatever. And like my dad had picked up some of them. I think my uncle picked up like the difference of what I didn't have. And at one point I had like this the entire Flyers team in like little miniature bobbleheads that like that were like it's going way back. I see like Darren Bueller is watching this right now and I know he's a bobblehead guy. He's a collectibles guy. Darren, help me out here. Do you remember this? Like like I'm thinking it was somewhere in between that like that two thousand year like to like two thousand two maybe range. They, it was a thing. They happened. It was it was swear it was McDonald's. Coolest thing ever. Coolest thing ever. Yep. And um we're approaching by that hour mark in the podcast. I mean we've got one last topic to keep kind of a more positive note on this. We'll probably do another episode coming in the future where we kind of think on some downer mm-hmm. moments. We had, a, we had a couple more things on our list, too, so we were going to talk about, but, you know, we're getting in that time limit. And this, we can probably talk about this last topic for a while now. And I don't even think it really needs that much, that much of an introduction. Just um, go ahead and take a listen. This is going to be probably our longest clip that we play tonight. We'll try to beat. Danny Henrik. Danny Briere will shoot first. Peter Laviolette has decided. I'm referencing. The home team has that option. The first team will take the first shot. Make the playoffs. Danny Briere, one for five this year, but over 40% for his career in shootout attempts. The pressure on these guys right now, enormous. Going through his head, what move should I try? Briere picks up the puck, and here we go. Slowly on him, he scores! Brilliant move in close, 1-0 Philadelphia. Danny Briere, head up all the way. Stick handling with his head, looking for the open spot, and he finds it glove side. Look at the movement there. Danny Briere just absolutely buries it. Eric Christensen. Over 50% for his career in shootout attempts. He's one for three this year. He will try to even the shootout. Often goes with that wrist shot of his. He picks it up and moves on in. Swings to the right. And is beaten by Boucher. Brian Boucher, the answer, and the Flyers continue to lead 1-0 in the shootout. Chris is trying to pick up speed right at the last minute, come back on the forehand. But watch Boucher. Christensen's one that made the move first. Boucher stayed right with him, made a nice save as he went from left to right. The captain will try to give the Flyers a 2-0 lead in the shootout. Over 30% in his career. He's one for five this year. And in he goes, straight line toward the net. Slows down. And then took the shot. I'm not sure if Lundqvist batted that away or went wide on its own. Richards thinking blocker side all the way. A little stutter step right there. And the quick wrist shot. Lundqvist able to get it with the stick. He's able to get a piece of it. Now it's P.A. Parento. How good is he in shootouts? Well... Two for two at the National Hockey League level. He has not been stopped, and he picks up the puck with plenty of speed. In on goal, scores! He ties it at one. 
right here, you see Paranto is going to come with a forehand. Lost the puck nearly. And that might have really caused a problem for Boucher because Boucher goes back into the net and the puck up over his body. Claude Giroux, two for four this year, two for seven in his career. He has wide assortment of dazzling moves. Which one will he try here? Slowing down. The shot, he scores! The Flyers back at top in the shootout. They're one stop away from the playoffs. A mix of what Danny Breer did and Mike Richard stutter step there, and then the quick shot through the five hole. Giroux's head up all the way and the fist pump the ball. Ole Okunin must score to keep the Rangers' season alive. He's five for nine this year in shootouts. 40% for his career as he starts from way back near his own goal line and picks up the puck with lots of speed. Roaring out it is Okunin. The deep, the save by Boucher. by the team in 43 seasons. Yeah. Since it's the inception of the team. Now, the Flyers have made the playoffs, you know, a few more times since then. They've had a couple more years to add to the statistic. And perhaps, like, it's been a little less than stellar in years recently. But that's pretty impressive for a team to, in essentially 30 to 40 years, accomplish a feat like that. Like, 75% of your existence, almost, you're a playoff team. It's impressive, and that's something, you know, I'll never forget. I was watching that game. I was downstairs in my little TV computer room we had, and I was so nervous during the I think I, I barely thought, I, you know, the Rangers scored first, and then Matt Carl scored a tie. They came up at one. I, th- I don't think I, I couldn't watch the overtime. I was so nervous. And then the shootout, I was a nervous wreck. And I just remember, I literally, I literally remember jumping after Brian Boucher stopped Leokin, I remember jumping up and down oh, and God. screaming. My oh, grandparents God. thought something like terrible happened. But then I remember hearing my neighbors, my neighbors were out in the front yard, like yelling, dancing, and screaming around. It was just absolute bedlam. It was bedlam of the most far. And I had some friends who were there. And I just remember it's like something that I'll never forget. And that's what propelled that team to go on that run in 2010. I am. Um... I remember sitting in the living room at my old house, 505 Fitch Road, um, watching the television on our little Ikea, you know, entertainment center that we had, and just, like, sitting there, like, you know, talk about a real nail-biter, that's an understatement, like, sheer and utter... You had no nails left? Panic, like, literally bloody stumps, like, sitting here, like, crying almost, like, from just sheer panic... Because of what was about to take place, you know, Flyers, they make it to the overtime. That wasn't enough to kill you. They go to the shootout. And just, I think I watched the overtime, like, probably, like, on my knees, like, sort of, like, cradling myself against the wicker coffee table that we still have, by the way. You know, and... Um, Playing the shootout against against all the teams, the Rangers and Heather Lundqvist, who's, like, the best shootout goalie of all time. Oh, my and God. who owned the Flyers in shootouts. Like oh if, if, if anything was stacked against them, then 
not win the game. Everything was. I remember, like, when when Jokinen didn't score. Like, Uche made the save on Jokinen. At that point, I, like, pure elation. Just jumped probably as high as I've ever jumped in my life. Like, I, like, straight ran out of the front door and went to, like, the parking spot. Like, where, like, the, my parents parked the car. And I was, like, kissing the ground. Like, like a total, like, weirdo 14, 15-year-old. Like, I was, like... Like literally, like bracing the the like the asphalt, like just like kissing and like screaming to my neighbors, like that we like clinched a playoff spot. They, like barely did anything yet. Like lo and behold, what was sort of after the fact? You know, this is this is all you know foreshadows a bigger picture here. But just I remember just the pure excitement that came from something like that, just like a game like that. It was great. I mean, it was my freshman year of college, so we're going way back. I'm aging myself here, so it was definitely it was ninth grade. It was it was a crazy time. It was a fun time, and that was one of the best springs I can remember in my life. Right now, as a Flyers fan, they went on to beat the Devils in five games in the first round. Came back from being down three on the series and three zero in Game Seven against the Bruins to an Ed series four three. And I was at another memory that's not on the list that we. You know, probably should have talked about the night, but we don't have enough time to talk about. Was There's so much to talk was that about. game seven win, and I was at the Wallace Hargrove Center with a group of my closest friends at the time, watching that game, like watching it on the jumbotron. I was down in South Philly. Pardon me, pardon me. I want to take this moment, this moment particularly, because I was invited to go to this. And mom, if you're still watching, yes, I'm going to call you out on this podcast. I was not allowed hey, to Williams, go. Hey, talking to you. I was not allowed to go. Person. I invited you. I, I don't. I don't remember what the reason was per se, but I remember begging and pleading with like my mother, like please, please let me go to the viewing party at the Wells Fargo Center. It's with my friend Dave. Like please, 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 please. And she said no. She said no. But it was. I just. It was pure elation. I remember watching that game at the Wells Fargo Center with. It, it was it was sold out. It was a free event, and they filled up the building, and it was absolutely crazy. And, of course, the next series, they went on, and they beat the Montreal Canadiens in five games. And then, well, they made the Stanley Cup final, and they lost in six Chicago Blackhawks. Two, the one memory I have on the top of my list, the very top of my list, you have this all ties in together. You, you want to end this on a negative note, though? Leading into the overtime in game six of the 2010 final, where Patrick Kane found Michael Layton's he, he he has the puck, you know, at the hash mark. He kind of just sits there, pulls a good move, kind of just like stick handles himself into a good position and starts going for the red line. He puts a very hard, sharp angle shot on Michael Layton. He knew where he was shooting. And I don't – was that even five hole? Did, like, did, I almost want to be like – It's like five I, hole or like the entire leg. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse because this is eight years ago now. But like, are we talking? It was it the five hole or did, like almost? It's almost like Leighton had his leg pad down, and Kane put a shot on it so hard that it literally went under Leighton's leg pad. I don't think it would have been on the ice that would have stopped. I like, it, but it was. It's I ridiculous. Sort of want to debate that that might be what happened. I mean, hockey analysts have looked over and over and over he, and over he was and over there. again, and it just he was on the post. It's. You know what I mean? Like, how the puck went in, the hockey gods are not rooting for the Flyers. That's at the end of the day. And that's, you know, kind of a way I guess tag it is. There's been a lot of bad luck for this Flyers team. 
But hopefully, you know, going forward with all of our young guys, I'm rocking a uh, Oscar Lindblom jersey this evening. The hope, the hope of the future and trusting of the process will continue and this team gets get somewhere great. So, you know, just, you know, I'm sure, you know, for maybe next week or something, you guys can comment, shoot us both text, shoot us the page, some oh, Facebook messages, sure. and let us know some let us know some of your favorite memories of being a Philadelphia Flyers fan oh, yeah. in this team. Yeah, we're always looking for ideas. Like, if there's something you want me and David to talk about on this podcast, feel free to, you know, comment on the page, send a message on the page, text me or Dave personally. By all means, like, we'll talk about it. We're always looking for ideas. Like I said, if you want us to bring something up or if, like, you have any particular points, especially while we're on uh, Facebook Live here. You know, you know, shoot us a, like a message or like ask us a question about it. You know, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll address it. Like any topic you want us to address, you want to have us an episode on what like this topic or something mm-hmm. else related, or even if you want to come on and be a guest of the show one For day. For sure, I could take it down. As long as you can hang, be in recording in my bedroom, it's fine by me. So you know, that's all I got for today. And Jake, you want to add anything else? But uh, thanks for this continued support, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing our posts. Thanks for, you know, just being the bedrock, the ground that we have to start this podcast. Bedrock. Book, the bedrock. The bedrock, yes. The rock. Or the rock. Sean Connor. That's rock. That's rock today. But, um, yeah, thanks for watching, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support on SoundCloud and iTunes and, of course, Facebook Live. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll be back next week with some more action. Also, also, to brutally interrupt because I wanted to do that intentionally, uh-huh. I I will go on behalf of the podcast and the Five Minute Major team and family I think I to go full out and endorse the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Oh. I speak for Dave and I, whether he agrees or not. The Las Vegas Golden Knights are our champions. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Go Knights! But, you know, let's see what happens. It's going to be a crazy time in the NHL playoffs. And, of course, we got Game 7. And with National Olympic that's happening right now, good night, guys, and good hockey.